Biden had some classified documents. The MAGA saga in the House came to an end, or did it, and another insurrection in the Western Hemisphere. I'm Matt Robeson. This is the Beyond Politics Podcast, and we are available wherever you get your podcasts, including if you get them on video, on YouTube, on the Blue Amp channel. And I'm joined, as always, by former U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes and Republican, conservative, I should say, consultant analyst, Alicia. We have too many words to describe you. Alicia, what would you say your main thing is? I am a gas stove cooking chef. Oh, Ka- we're going to get to that. Alicia. Oh, that we're going to get title. to that. We're going to get to that. Let's tease that. I think... As much as you guys clearly want to get into gas, you have to go with the big main lead story of the day. It turns out that Biden has an eensy-weensy little documents problem. Obviously, this is going to bring up all kinds of ghosts of the raid at Mar-a-Lago. It came to light last night that there were some documents that were discovered at a think tank where the current president, former vice president, used to have an office, and these documents apparently emanated from the Obama administration era. Paul Hodes, as always, you're not only a former member of Congress, you're also a former prosecutor. Is this the same thing that we just saw with Trump? Yes and no. More no than yes. I mean, look, anybody who has classified AI, which are beyond classified documents, that has them in places they shouldn't be, shouldn't have them. The documents need to be secure. Now, the word secure is interesting because in this case, they apparently were secure because they were in some locked little room that Biden occasionally used when he was a visiting professor at the University of Pennsylvania. The documents shouldn't have been there. On the other hand, they were turned over immediately to the Justice Department by attorneys. Who knows what's who knows what they're about? And frankly, the political response from Republicans has been rather muted, which I think is interesting. It, it hasn't been a full-fledged firestorm. Merrick Garland has a special prosecutor looking at the Mar-a-Lago documents. So now he's asked a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Chicago to look at the Biden situation. I'm sure that certain members of the Republican Party are salivating over the fact that maybe these documents were actually documents from Hunter Biden's laptop that, (laughs) that were supposed to be classified and somehow They'll try to tie it in. So, Alicia, are you one of those Republicans who heard Biden classified documents and got a little like dribble of spit at the corner of your mouth? Or are you like, eh? I'm neither. I'm trying to figure out why you hire lawyers to go clean out an office Wait, no, that period, has been used stop. in two years. No, oh, okay, no, you're right. Why do you hire lawyers? Just end of story. <laughs> well, you always hire lawyers for everything because lawyers are the full employment operation of the United States of America. Hey, Everybody Paul, needs Paul, lawyers. What do you call a lawyer at the bottom of the ocean? A good start. A good start. Go on, Alicia. Go on. Hey, all, listen, all I'll say is when I went to Congress, I found the only profession where people thought less of me than they did when I was an attorney. Back on track. No, seriously, why do you hire lawyers to clean out an office? Why do you do it just a few days before a midterm election? I'm not saying I have the answers to those things. I'm saying it's kind of weird. Why You're paying 600 bucks an hour for some guys to move some boxes. There's something there. There's something funky there. You're saying you want that job. 
Oh, hell yeah. I'll do it for 500 bucks an hour. Save you some money. But I'm just trying to figure it out. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Look, I'm with Paul. No one should be having these unclassified documents post-administration in private places. I think there's a lot of whataboutism this morning. Well, it's not as bad as what Trump did, and it's not as this, and at least he's cooperating. And that's all true, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's still wrong. We've got to stop doing this. That doesn't mean what Trump did wasn't bad. And same with Biden. I mean, why would you have these classified documents, these intelligence documents off-site? I think Merrick Garland was very smart. He chose a U.S. attorney out of Chicago to oversee the process, one of only two remaining U.S. attorneys appointed by Donald Trump. Now, that was right. obviously a political consideration, but in this case, I think it was a smart political consideration. And we'll see where it goes. I don't expect it to go anywhere. I think Donald Trump is funny. He tweeted out this morning, when is the FBI going to raid the many homes of Joe Biden, perhaps even the White House? Like, bro, why would you invade the White House? That's the one place they're allowed to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Uh, no. That's brilliant. That's so good. A stunning yeah. sense of self-awareness from Donald Trump. <laughs> Up, as always. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of with you guys. This whole thing is, of course, on the surface, in a very superficial way, they seem similar. It's comparing apples and orangutans. Three big differences to know about. One, you're talking about a few documents that made it through. Fewer documents versus 300 in the Trump case. Two, as Paul pointed out, they were well secured in a professional office, not at your house, not just like lying around where foreign visitors are coming. And three, this isn't an unusual situation. And what happened here? They didn't spend a year lying, sending out lawyers saying, we have no <laughs> classified documents. They found it, they turned it over and they said, all right, yep, let's look into it. I think it turns into a nothing burger, but we're probably going to have a political saga. Remember, when you're talking about potential criminal activity, which we've been talking about in terms of Mar-a-Lago and Trump, because the Department of Justice is investigating criminal activity, you've got this silly little notion in the criminal law of intent. You've got to have some kind of criminal intent in order to- Isn't there a CBS procedural show called that? You've got to have criminal intent to support a prosecution. And there are various levels of intent from purposeful to negligent. So the diff a big difference here is likely the level of intent of the document holder. Trump has them in his personal desk, in his personal residence, and lies to the FBI through, through various agents before they back up the tractor trailer to remove all the classified documents. Biden used an office occasionally, has some uh, less than a dozen papers in his desk. He's now president. He, who knows what he, who knows? We'll find out, I'm sure. There will be an investigation. We'll get the answers. And Matt Gates can hold up documents and hold up a laptop on the floor of the United States Congress and say, you'll see, you'll see what was going on. I don't think Matt Gates wants too much discussion of investigations and documents and who may have been with whom and at what ages. I think we should leave him alone on that one. Oh, God. One follow-up I'll make, though, is though, Matt, you point out, like, this isn't unique. This has happened before. It's not completely uncommon. That is a big problem. If that is true, that is a big problem. Can we get some protocols going on in the White House here about what, you know, Mr. President, you want to see this classified document? Here you go. Mr. President, are you done with that? Okay, let me go put it back in the classified document place. I mean, yeah. That, fix it. That's fair. That's fair. I think one of the things that's hard about this, there's many levels of classified, right? right? And there's 
And it can mean many different things. And there's been a government effort to try to reduce the amount of things that we say are classified because do they really need to be? Some of these things you set up because you've got a huge bureaucracy to deal with the nation's secrets. And if you don't know, you don't want to risk it. So you stamp classified on it. I'm not saying I, I know what are in these Joe Biden documents. I'm just saying that when you've got millions and millions of documents that get shared at all levels of an administration, and then you're in charge of packing up at the end of an administration, I can see how occasionally you get some stuff slipping through and then you find the problem and you correct it. And it's very different than yeah. the SCI, the highest level of classification, which were some of those documents that they found at Mar-a-Lago lying around. So let's move on. That most consequential story, obviously coming out of the weekend, was the maybe end of the MAGA saga, the Kevin McCarthy speakership ordeal that we went through. It ultimately went to 15 votes. And so it's over, right? Well, maybe not so much, because now the House has to deal with the fallout, which includes handing a massive amount of power to the 17, as Alicia dubbed them last week, lunatics who held out eventually that swelled to 20 and then it went down. Doesn't matter. The point is there is a hardcore group of you can call them Freedom Caucus people. You can call them nihilists. You can call them pirate ninjas, whatever you call them. These folks are now wielding a tremendous amount of sway. So I guess I'll turn to you first, Alicia. How is this going to work when you looked at the compromises that were made and the rules package that went through? Do you think this is over or do you think this ordeal, this push-pull with this insane faction is just going to keep unfolding all year and throughout this congressional session? Oh, it's going to plague this entire congressional session. It absolutely is. These people aren't going away. As I said last week, their motive is not proper policy. You're doing what's good for the American people. Their motive is a soapbox. Their motive is personal attention. You don't get that by playing ball in the Senate. Most certainly isn't going to get assigned into law by the president, such as the IRS removal, although I'm all for that one. That's not the 87,000. They defunded them this morning, a new agents. But you know, they have to work on things that can pass and work together. We've got a split government. And my concern is that this lunatic fringe, and you know, I saw an article today, I think in the New York Times that called them the the ultra conservatives. They are not ultra conservatives by any stretch of the imagination. They're just far right lunatics. They're going to hold action hostage in Congress because they're only going to do what they want to do that they can get attention for, that they can take victory laps for. And then the other thing they're going to do is they're going to push to investigate. And I think it was Paul on a text this morning said, investigate the investigators. Like it's, if there's something worth investigating, that is the job of Congress. However, someone being on the other side of the aisle is not unto itself investigation worthy. And it's a waste of time. We need our healthcare costs fixed. We need inflation addressed. I'm all for addressing certain things that'll help and benefit the climate and the environment. There are things that have to be done, and our Congress can come together in a bipartisan way to do it. My concern is they're not going to do it just because they want to poke the other side. Well, no less luminary in Republican circles than Newt Gingrich agrees with you. He said that the party is contending with a band of, quote, deranged disruptors in the House, a cadre of Biden Republicans enabling the president and the Senate. Wow, that's a dig in Republican circles. And a grassroots base that wants anger stuck in the middle, Gingrich said, is the sunny son of 1970s Bakerfield. I guess he means Kevin McCarthy. Sunny? Really? Anyway, Paul, I think what I'd like to get into, and I want to do this in a way that isn't boring as dirt, 
but I, I want to talk about rules. Okay, I hope we didn't just lose everybody here because there is some real devil in the details nature to what the Republicans have done here. And I think you can illustrate better than anyone just how much of a trap door they've set up under themselves. So for one thing, Republicans have given this faction three seats on the rules committee. Again, without boring people, could you just tell our listeners and our viewers, why is it, so the rules committee has 14 members, right? It's a nine to five split Republicans over Democrats. And so by giving three members, three seats to this faction, the pirate ninjas, they've essentially given veto power to that group over anything the Republicans want to do. Why is that important? Why, why is this so consequential? What we've got here is the tyranny of this minority of the majority. It's The old saw is the minority controls the Senate, the majority controls the House. That's what everybody has always thought. Well, now we have this very narrow Republican majority, which is being held hostage by this cabal of jihadi crazies. And the reason it's so consequential is that the way the House is organized to do its business has a lot to do with what gets done. And the rules that are set by the rules, you have a very disproportionate set of whack jobs setting the rules for the United States Congress. The difference is every bill that happens in the House has to have a rule attached to it. Every single bill has its own rule that determines how it's going to be debated, whether you can amend it, you can change it, whether the minority gets to do gotcha votes and all kinds of stuff like that. The rules committee is sort of the way that the speaker and that the majority controls what happens in the house. They are the gatekeeper for everything. And so what you've now done is you've put the crazy cabal, as, as Paul calls it, essentially that kind of control within the gatekeeper, the rules committee. And so for years, what Nancy Pelosi did was anything that might be dangerous to Democrats where they didn't want to take votes on it, like abolish ICE, let's pass Medicare for all, let's defund the police. You weren't allowed to bring up amendments on those things. You weren't allowed to bring up bills around those things. You weren't allowed to do gotcha votes on stuff like that when they have this group exercising functional control on the rules committee. How are they going to handle that? How are they going to handle any bill that might extend the debt ceiling and keep us from having a, an interest rate crisis in America? There's a congressional ethics committee that was put in place during my second term in Congress in 2008. What the Republicans have done is they have changed the rules about the ethics committee in what would superficially appear to be minor ways. What they really mean is they are now in a position to throw the Democrats on the ethics committee off the ethics committee. It emasculated, if I could use that word, the ethics committee. And they've done it at a time when the January 6th committee referred four members of the Republican caucus to the ethics committee for investigation. That's just one example of how the rules 
affect the functioning of Congress. And now the Republicans are saying, well, the George Santos matter, it's an internal matter for the Ethics Committee. I think what they're missing in Washington as they negotiated these backdoor deals to get McCarthy and his speaker, and to be honest, McCarthy is probably the best choice for speaker of a Republican-led House right now, is that none of this is what the people care about. What we need to see is we need to see them get over this hump of tedium and start doing actual legislation. And that's when we can see as Americans, if they are willing to do that. I'm apprehensive in light of all the things you guys have been talking about that they're focused on. But at some point, they're going to have to get over these, you know, these hoops that they're jumping for relevancy and start doing something. And that will be the point that I decide whether we have a functioning government or not. Because to be honest, the last 10 days has made it look like Republicans can't properly govern. And I hope they shake all the crazy off and start realizing that's what the only thing we see right now. So what you're talking about is, can they get something done? Can they legislate? All right, well, here's a trapdoor they set up for themselves. They have committed as part of this rules package to hold a vote to cut all federal spending by 10%. Guess what that means? 10% cut to the Pentagon. That's $75 billion. Guess who's against that? Half of Republicans. So- I think the problem that Republicans face right now is back to the Gingrich quote, is that there is no consensus of any kind around what is sort of a core Republican priority. They don't really have a get something done agenda. The thing that they can agree on is investigating Joe Biden. That's all they want to do. Actually, they've expanded it this morning. Too. No, they want to investigate Jill Biden, too. So now they have a new thing that they can all agree on. They have no policy priorities they agree on. Just look at the quotes. Half of Republican Congress members are dead set against this budget defense cut. And then you've got the, I don't know, the pirate weenies who want a 10% overall federal budget cut. Why? Why do they want that? Well, they'll say, that's what our voters are telling us. Their voters do not want that either. Their voters have no idea what it means. They're just looking for a Fox News talking point. And the problem that Republicans have and that all of us now have to live with is that Republicans are governed by their need to get their next hit on Fox News or Newsmax or, if they're really slumming it, OAN, which I guess is shut down now, but they'd still go for it if they could. And that means that since they're in the majority in the House of Representatives, the rest of us have to live with a political party that holds a major chamber of Congress being governed by that impulse. So here we are. Well, Listen, re re Republicans run for office saying government doesn't work. They get elected and they prove their point. The Republican Party has all has been about taking down the federal government. And so you've got the crazy crazies or the right wing weenies or the cabal of crazies, whatever we're calling them, who have no idea what they want to do except chaos. And then you've got the general Republican proclivity to try to destroy the federal government. Certainly Jill Biden. Yeah, we will. Yeah, why are we well, investigating? I like Jill. Because why are we in Moderna, Alicia? Uh, you have the line of the morning. Wait, why are we investigating? Why? Because she had Hunter Biden and Hunter had a laptop. And oh my so gosh. Jill Biden. Did she have must, in utero laptop files? She must have had classified documents in utero on Hunter Biden's laptop that showed that he was a stooge for Zelensky. When, her laptop, when, when the laptop was in utero, 
was it a, a, like an iPad at that point? Was it wireless? It was, it was an iPod with Bluetooth. Clearly, well, the wired version wireless. would have been a mess. <laughs> all right, let me make a point before we go down that road. You mentioned this 10% cut across the board. Here's the problem with all politicians. Well, this is going to be great. <laughs> It's Matt Robeson. Hope you're enjoying the show. We have a special bonus piece of content here for all of our podcast listeners and video viewers. It's a parody ad that we put together describing a certain condition that some of our more right-wing friends in America might be experiencing and perhaps what they're turning to to deal with it. So make sure to check out that full ad on the Blue Amp channel. You can subscribe there. And of course, you can subscribe to Beyond Politics wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back to the show after this. Do you sometimes feel like you're missing a certain something? Like, maybe people aren't taking you seriously enough. Like you really need to go out and buy a high-powered semi-automatic machine gun for no particular reason? You may be suffering from SDE. SDE. And you're not alone. It's more common than you might think, or than any of us would have believed just a few years ago. Signs include bragging about your auto emissions and having Romanian authorities arrest you and confiscate those 33 cars that release all those auto emissions. Abusing immigrants to show how much power you've got in the palm of your small hands. Being terrified of peaceful black protesters and making up stories of them burning down cities. Driving an overpowered car so you can pretend to be Dale Earnhardt Jr., though the closest approach you've ever made to a racetrack was when your gut sagged out past the third row. Insisting that military leaders refer to you as sir, even when you dodge the draft because of fake bone spurs and your muscles have the consistency of snotty tissues. Dress in camouflage and run around all weekend holding an assault rifle. Or joining the Proud Boys. SDE is a medical condition we can't fully describe on a family-friendly video platform like this. Thanks, Obama. You may know it as having a tiny Thomas. A slim Alito. Even more dangerous, you've noticed your gorsuch is dragging. That's why you should ask your doctor or right-wing radio personality if MAGA is right for you. Millions of white men have tried MAGA to deal with the debilitating symptoms of having a pint-sized Roberts. Side effects of MAGA may include refusing life-saving vaccines in order to own the libs. Believing Democrats are in a worldwide conspiracy that's being run out of a Washington, D.C. pizza parlor basement that doesn't have a basement meaning it doesn't exist. Buying Twitter. Supporting Vlad Putin. Having a hard time closing the deal to become Speaker of the House. Or attacking the US Capitol. Even women can suffer the effects of feeling like they have a nano Coney Barrett. You don't have to suffer in silence. In fact, the smaller your Kavanaugh, the louder you are. Try MAGA, the answer for people with SDE. MAGA means SDE. MAGA means SDE. <laughs> you say those kind of things on a campaign trail. Right. You used to talk about these sweeping reforms you're going to make, and it sounds great for a soundbite. And now those campaign promises have crossed over to actually being put in writing in legislation. And that goes for the Inflation Reduction Act to drafting a bill that could cut across the board 10 percent. And that's what campaigns have just filtered over into everything that's done in Congress now is just a perpetual campaign. And that's not good. And you're right when it comes to the sound bites. And you're right for every politician. They're legislating on sound bites. You know, the 10,000 cut, look, I'm all for cutting federal spending. I don't think we need to study a million dollars, a million bucks to study shrimps on a treadmill. I think we've got a lot of stupid federal spending. But that's not how it works. You've got to get in there and see where there is money that shouldn't be being spent. But that's not a good soundbite. That is as boring of a topic to discuss as your rules discussion you had a few minutes ago. And the Shrimps on a listen. treadmill would be Shrimps. a great name for a rock band. Shrimps there you on go. a treadmill. I like that a that lot. Second of all, that's good. look, you can dismiss 
the Paul impact Hodes and shrimps on yeah. a treadmill. <laughs> but let's Their do new record. Let's By the way, I've got the name for the crazies if you want it. Hit me. We should call them the Daffy Ducks. The Daffy Because Ducks. they're Looney the Tunes, Ducks. slothering Looney Tune people. Oh. Okay, let's, you know what? Let's test drive that for a few minutes. Okay. All I want to do is let's do what in intelligence circles they call walking the cat back. We all agree. And even though this is a topic that I think most people don't really get because it sounds dull, we all agree that if we don't increase the debt ceiling, that would be bad, right? It would tank the economy. Okay, let's just keep it, let's just keep it simple like that. If we don't increase the debt ceiling, it would tank the economy. So what Dick Gephardt, the Democratic leader from 20 some odd, 30 some odd years ago, did that was super duper clever was he created a rule. The rule was as soon as we pass a budget in the House, because the House is impossible and there are maniacs in the House, as soon as we pass a budget, we'll just automatically say that we voted to increase the debt ceiling. That way, we don't have to have a vote on it. We won't play politics. We won't govern in sound bites like Alicia was just talking about. Well, what did the Republicans just do? They got rid of the Gephardt rule. Now, instead of having an automatic way for this just to happen, now they've got to have a debate about it. Well, which Republican wants to be on record voting for an increase to the debt ceiling? So now we are all hosed, to use the Canadian expression. We are in big trouble because I don't see how you get enough Republicans to join with Democrats to actually govern and avert this economic catastrophe. And they've set themselves up for it. The debt ceiling needs to be increased by the fall. Otherwise, economic freefall. And that's what they've set up for themselves. It's a small thing now. It's just a little line in the rules package. But by doing that, they've set themselves up. And when we're having this conversation in six months, this is what we're talking about. They could have just made this easy on themselves. But the, what did you call them? The Daffy Ducks insisted that they not do that and we're going to live with it. We will revisit this in six months. All right, let's move on. I think we have to spend like a minute talking about the Brazilian January 6th. They did it a little differently down there. It's on January 8th. Anything you guys want to get into? I mean, it was eerily similar to our insurrection. Hey, and Bolsonaro moves to Florida to be near his mentor, Donald Trump. Walking the love of his life. Walking there around. is a report this morning that he's in a hospital in Florida. Oh, I, yeah. Okay, I don't want him. He is in a hospital. Yeah. He's experiencing severe gastrointestinal distress. Right. I don't want any human being to experience pain. So I'm right. I'm yeah, sorry yeah. to hear that. So we're, we send our sympathies to Bolsonaro for his abdominal pain. And he left the country. And meanwhile, Steve Bannon and, and Steve Miller have had 80 different meetings with Bolsonaro's son. And lo and behold, they sack the Capitol. They sack the Congress. It's just, it's too coincidental it would be humorous if it wasn't just so awful. The government, the duly elected government sent in troops. They took the control back. They've arrested 1,200 people. It's There's a difference for you. They just arrested people on the they spot. They just arrested There's a novel people. idea. They hey, you guys are vandals. We're arresting you because you arrested did a crime. Them. Right. Incredible. They arrested them. Yeah. They just, they got them, they routed them up, they took them away. So that, what can you say? It's, it's January 6th, take two in a 
in Brazil, a huge country. The election wasn't stolen there. The election wasn't stolen here. This apparently is now going to become the de facto January celebration of the transition of power all over the world. It's January. Let's sack the capital. Hey, Alicia, I've so, got an important question for you. Oh, no, you go if you have a point, please. So, so, so Chris and I have a theory on this matter, and that is that Brazil who was the front runner in the World Cup, if they had won the World Cup, none of this would have happened because people would have been happy and soccer is more important than the government. And right, they would, have sacked, they would have sacked the that. capital upon winning. Right, exactly. Right. There is some merit to this do. theory. Yes. <laughs> As you do. As you do. I don't think we should own it by calling it Brazil's January 6th. It's Brazil's January 8th. And Bolsonaro is a similar type character, we'll call it, that Donald Trump was. And it's bad. You know what's too bad is that until two years ago, America could have stood up and says, this is not how democracy works. Can we say that now? No, not really. And I have a further question for you, Alicia. Is it possible that all evil emanates from the land of Mordor? I mean, Florida. What is it? Like, why is it that all things that are bad seem to crawl out from or return to under a rock in Florida? It's the um, swamps. The swamps. The swamps. Why does Bolsonaro, like his first instinct is, oh man. is a nice really, place. I mean, I'm a fascist who's weather. run this country into the ground. I should go to Florida next. There's Donald Trump, same thing. There's at least 180,000 Brazilian expats in Florida, many of whom apparently um, still hold residence in Brazil and voted for Bolsonaro. Like 82% of Brazilian expats in Florida voted for him. So he felt that he was on sound sound ground, firm territory. I'll just, I think it's uh, more basic than that. I think it's, I got to get out of this country because they're going to kill me if I stay here. And Florida's got lovely weather this time of year and Disney World. You know what Florida has? Flying cockroaches. I mean, Matt, I mean, whatever. All right, let's move on. Do you know iguanas um, freeze when it gets too cold and fall out of trees? Like, it's a yes. real thing. Google it yeah. if you haven't seen it. It's super creepy. That's right. Call, don't Zuki. they call iguanas in certain Central American countries, don't they call them Poyo uh, de Arbor, like chicken of the tree? I, think I didn't know that. That actually Ooh, sounds delicious. I'm not going to eat in Central America anytime soon. It, I'm just saying that if KFC fell out of the trees, I might move to that state as well. Yeah, but you can't. But if it happens in the United States, you're no longer going to be cooking with gas because the Consumer Protection Bureau of the United States of America is investigating whether to ban gas cooktops. I have a propane gas cooktop. That President Obama wanted to appoint me as a commissioner on the Consumer Protection Bureau, which I gently and politely declined because I didn't want to have to investigate gas cooktops. I'm not getting rid of my gas cooktop. They're, if they come for my gas cooktop, I'm taking my spatula out. They're going to have to take me along with my cooktop. I'm with Paul on this one. Don't touch my gas range. Look, I like to fancy myself kind of a good cook. It's my hobby. It's actually been my primary hobby since I was a child. Let me tell you something. No chef worth their weight is ever going to use an electric stovetop. There are several reasons. One, controlling of the temperature of the pan in which you're cooking. Two, if you use an electric stovetop, you have to have a flat bottom pan. Pans warp. Now, most people cannot afford to buy a whole new set of cookware once a year because it's warped. And you cannot get proper, is the word induction, of heat across the bottom of a pan on an electric stove, particularly if it's warped. And someone show me a commercial kitchen that is anything but a gas range. They don't. Why? Because that's not how you cook. Cooking you snobs unite. Stand up against this 
terrible right. federal government which wants to take away your gas cooktops. This is just another example of intrusive Democrats trying to control your every feature of your life. It is, though. I want them to leave. Can they just leave me alone? Go lower health care costs or something to help me out. Leave me and my cookware. My only joy in life I have right now, because it's the middle of January in the Northeast. It's too cold I'm to have fun. Leave me in my gas stove alone. I'm writing a letter to Kevin McCarthy, my former colleague. I'm bringing this to his attention. I want this investigation stopped. I want to investigate the investigators who are investigating gas cooktops. I and want to investigate that listeners. consumer protection guy who wants to take mine away. I hope all of our listeners are enjoying dialing in to the Cooking Network's food porn party line. We'd like to continue for only $10.99 a minute with a discussion <laughs> on amazing. Alicia, are you planning to deglaze your pan? How much wine are you planning to use? Oh, what oil are you using? Is it going to be hot oil? All right. Is it- this Fun is the final episode oh, of the balance of power. We have now been canceled. <laughs> on a policy note, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. And I think it's because you are gas inhalation enthusiasts. You love it. You just love breathing in deep of that propane and getting. <sighs> um, Mine's natural know. gas. So Mine's propane. Mm. And I have a powerful hood to extract the dangerous odors. Oh, you've got a powerful hood. A powerful hood. Tell me more on the Cooking Network's food. (laughs) We're just gas stove slobs. We're gas stove elitists. Tell me about your powerful hood. We're those right coast (laughs) gas stove elites. I can't take any more, and neither can our listeners. For Paul and Alicia, I'm Matt Robeson. Maybe we'll see you next time.